Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Carolyn Patrick about her journey to the boardroom. Before we start that discussion, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record today. For me, I am on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to elders past and present. I acknowledge their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. I support the Uluru Statement from the Heart, and I encourage others in the Take On Board community to do the same. Now, let me introduce Caroline. Caroline is an experienced non-executive director with extensive executive level experience in customer engagement. She has diverse industry experience, having worked at senior levels in banking, wealth management, health insurance, retail, superannuation, and government. Carolyn is a non-executive director of the Women and Children's Hospital Foundation in Adelaide in South Australia, where she also chairs the Marketing and Fundraising Subcommittee. And she is also a non-executive director of CARA Inc., a leading disability service provider working alongside people with disability across metropolitan Adelaide and regional South Australia. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Caroline. Thank you, Helia. Nice to be here. It is awesome to have you on the pod today and to be able to talk about your journey to the boardroom. But as always, before we go there, I would like to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Caroline that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Yes, I'd love to. Well, I'm from the UK and, you know, when I was thinking about this question in preparation for this podcast, one memory really stuck out to me and it hadn't been a memory I'd thought about for a really long time. And I think it explains how I ended up working in customer engagement. So my dad was the managing director of a luxury hotel company and he used to read every single customer complaint letter that he received. And I used to go to work with him. And I remember there was one letter that really stood out. And it was somebody who had complained about having high tea at one of the flagship hotels. And they had complained about a hairline crack in the teacup. And I remember asking him about this because it seemed like such a small thing to complain about. And he explained to me that when you go for high tea at one of those hotels, it's a very special occasion for that person. They're probably there with their family. They're probably paying quite a lot for that experience. 
And it's all about the experience. And this was before we talked about customer experience, you know, as I think. And that memory really sticks out to me because I think that role that he did and how seriously he took that customer experience really embedded itself into me as I grew up around the hotel industry. And I think my mum and dad's both natural curiosity both has come through genetically and has lent itself to what has been a fabulous career in marketing and the focus on the customer. Mm. I'm wondering what's been your best experience in either at a high tea or in one of the hotels, whether it's a hotel that your dad ran or another hotel. Yeah, they took me for high tea at the flagship hotel, which is the Grand at Brighton. And I had my 17th birthday there. And that was a very, very special experience. And it was also a surprise. (laughs) So I wasn't expecting it. And uh, I'm not sure I dressed as well as I could have that day. (laughs) It was a surprise. So your friends were there as well? Actually, we had a French exchange student staying with us at the time. So she was with us. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. So how did the French exchange, like I'm imagining, you know, French pastries and so on, but you've probably scones and jam and cream and gorgeous French pastries. How did she cope? Yeah. And those tiny little triangle sandwiches, very British cucumber sandwiches. So um, you can imagine everything that was very English about this high tea was there. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Gosh, you've reminded me. I haven't done a high tea in ages. And um, right, you've reminded me to. Actually, you're in Adelaide. I'm in Melbourne. Where do you, if I can ask this, where do you recommend either in Adelaide or in Melbourne? Oh, goodness. I think I'd have to find somewhere in the Adelaide Hills where it's so beautiful. And there's a place in Hallandorf. So I'd probably have to take you there if you came over here. Fabulous. (laughs) Excellent. All right. I'm going to take you up on that. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, With that background in mind around customer engagement, and I love it around curiosity as well and about experience. So we're here today to talk about your journey to the boardroom. Where should we start? Well, my journey to the boardroom was really unexpected at quite a young age when I was relatively inexperienced and particularly inexperienced about governance. I'd worked for a disability services provider when I first arrived in Australia and one of my colleagues had gone to be the CEO of a small organisation called the Disability Information Resource Centre that helped people and families of people with a disability navigate the system, which was very complicated at that time. And she invited me to come on the board because they were concerned about losing their government funding, which was the majority of their income. And they were looking for someone to help them look for diverse revenue streams. And she thought that with my marketing background and my disability experience, that I would be a great addition to the board. And so I joined the board at a time where the organisation was feeling very vulnerable financially and was worried about its financial sustainability. And from there, you know, I stepped into another disability services organisation in the lead up to the NDIS. And now I sit on the boards of a a hospital foundation and also a disability services provider. Now that the NDIS has been rolled out and is in operation and has been in operation for a few years. But of course, at this point in time, the Royal Commission has just handed down its report. So big changes for the sector. But yes, certainly my journey to the boardroom was unexpected and at a very young age where I felt really out of my depth, I must say, 
And over the years, I think about how much I've learned across that journey, which is probably around 15 years now. And having done my AICD course in between, which I do really recommend people do. I know that you've had a, an episode on that that had some diverse views, but I really recommend that course. And the amount that I learned from that made me feel much more confident taking on other board positions of larger and more complex organizations. So I'm wondering, your former colleague who's the CEO of this organization comes to you and says, would you like to join the board? So there's two things I'd love to know there. How did you feel and how did you respond in that moment? And secondly, I'd love to hear about your first board meeting, if you can remember it, just what that experience was like for you and what was valuable for you as part of your induction and so on. Yeah, well, there wasn't an induction. <laughs> so we'll, we'll start there. I always say yes to an opportunity. So there was never going to be a doubt that I wasn't going to say yes. And my first board meeting I don't think I understood most of what they were talking about. I felt very out of my depth. I had no idea about what the organization actually did at that point. And I think for me, joining that board, if I look back with some hindsight, perhaps I could have done a little bit more digging. Perhaps I could have been a little bit more diligent (laughs) before I said yes. It's very different now that I have more experience, but certainly back then seemed like a great opportunity to do something worthwhile and a great opportunity for learning for me. And when somebody asks you, you feel very flattered and you don't often stop to think, what are the implications here? What do I need to know? And certainly I jumped into it with both feet. How long were you on that board for? And I'm interested because you mentioned the company director's course. So this is 15 years ago when you're asked and to join your first board and now kind of building that board portfolio a bit. When did you do the company director's course? Was it while you're on that first board or before the second board? And how did that all fit together in the journey? Yeah, I did my company director's course in 2019. And I think for me, I probably should have done it earlier. To be honest, I probably should have done it five or six years earlier. And I do reflect on that a lot that, you know, not-for-profit and my experience on boards has been in the not-for-profit space, that not-for-profits, not so much now, but certainly back then and in the last 10 years, have had people join the board that don't have those sorts of qualifications. And I think about that in the sense of or in the context of what's the responsibility of an organisation to make sure that the governance skills that they're adding to the board are solid? Is that the responsibility of the individual to go off and get those qualifications and experience? Or is it that boards are looking for diverse skill sets? And often they are from sectors and industries or expertise where, for example, a marketing or customer person they haven't gone off and got those qualifications. Their qualifications perhaps have been more industry-specific or professional qualifications around what they work in. So I thought about that a lot. I mean, I was very lucky that the organisation I was working for in 2019, they paid for me to do that course. And for them, it was important because I was an executive in that role, in that organisation. And it very much helped my understanding of my ability to report to the board and what they were looking for and the questions they were likely to ask of me as an executive. So 
that was why I did it. But in fact, it's been incredibly valuable and changed the way I thought. And I think when you're an executive and you move into a a board position, it's very easy to continue with the approach that you have as an executive, which is very much operational, day-to-day, execution-led, and not so much around that fiduciary duty, oversight, strategy, governance, risk lens that a board director should have. So you actually did it with your executive hat on, no doubt helped in a whole range of ways, but you did it with the executive hat on, which is interesting in and of itself. And, And that reflection about people bringing all sorts of different skills and experience to the boardroom, not always strictly in governance per se. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think about disability organisations, I mean, back then and today, they're incredibly complex. The policy environment is incredibly complex. The financials are incredibly challenging. They're not easy. They're as complex, if not more complex, I suspect, than some of the for-profit organisations. And Helia, just to point on that, we're looking after some of the most vulnerable people in our society. You're right, they're incredibly complex organisations navigating incredibly complex and I think soon to be more complex regulatory environments. And it's so important to have the right skills and expertise on those boards. There's so much that can go wrong. Yes, reflecting on the Royal Commission reports and so on, having that consumer focus or customer focus or the experience for the people that are using the system is key. It's not a balance sheet, profit and loss statement, whatever it may be at the end of the day. It's the experience that people have, whether it's the hairline crack in the teacup or whatever the equivalent might be, or some of the awful stories we're hearing from the Royal Commission. So then I'm interested, that experience of yours, how did that work or be received or how did that work in the boardroom? Because it's not always the sorts of skills you see in the boardroom, despite how important they are. How does that work in practice in terms of your boardroom experience? Yeah, look, I think... We talk a lot about customer and we talk a lot about customer focus. And what I find a lot in the not-for-profit space is that we forget that the people that we are serving are the customer. And often customer expertise is not represented on the board and there's still a lack of thought around the experience that we're offering, whoever it is that we're providing services for. And that's not just in the not-for-profit space. I think that's still, um, that's a general, a large general sweeping statement, but I think we still forget that there's a customer at the heart of the data that we're looking at. And one of the things that we've seen this year is where there's been a very strong focus on stakeholder engagement, perhaps the balance has not been right. If we look at Qantas, for example, very strong focus on the shareholder at the expense of the customer. And we all know and have seen what's happened there. And so when we're thinking about who it is we're serving and or servicing, we need to think very carefully about the experience that they're having and how we can make it better, easier, more focused on what they need and how we can add value as an organisation to that customer And so I think coming from a a marketing and customer background myself, that curiosity, understanding customer wants and needs, and asking those questions 
making sure that we're having conversations that place the customer at the heart of those conversations, regardless of whether it's a governance, a risk, a strategy, a financial conversation, how does that add value to the customer at the end of the day? Because if we don't have a customer, we don't have an organisation. And as directors, we have a fiduciary duty around the sustainability of the organisation. That's what we're there to do. At the heart of that is customers. And I think also we have a a huge responsibility around organisational culture. You know, that tone from the top is so important. And one of the things that I have found in my experience of being a director, and this is a direct quote from one of my former CEOs who taught me a great deal. She always used to talk about the little red flags. What are the little red flags? And that's where your intuition often can pick up what's not being said or what's missing. And I've found that a number of times, and particularly when I was a younger, more inexperienced director, if something didn't feel right, I wouldn't necessarily say something because I felt, I think part of that's being female as well, but I didn't feel comfortable raising it. And there's been a number of times as I was more experienced and more confident and I raised things that didn't feel right. Often when something doesn't feel right, it's because it isn't right. And I think the role of, you know, we've moved so far into that sort of evidence-informed, data-led decision-making that sometimes I think we forget that intuition and gut instinct can be so important in the boardroom. And those little red flags that tickle your subconscious are really important to pay attention to. So I'm wondering, in as much detail as you're able to share, is there a time when you kind of took notice of those little red flags. Are you able to tell us what they were and what the circumstances were and what brought you to to raising it? Yeah, there was a huge one and I won't share a great deal of information, but there was a conversation with the CEO of one of the organizations I've been on the board of and something just did not feel right in the conversation that we were having. And it was taken as read what the CEO was saying. And I didn't feel right about it. And it was only when I went to dig a little bit further that it opened a huge can of worms and opened up a series of conversations where it ended up with the CEO resigning. And was that, again, in as much detail as you're able to share, there was a feeling that it wasn't right. Did you raise that there and then in the board meeting or was it afterwards? Was it some digging around after? Yeah, I raised it afterwards and I didn't wait until the next board meeting for the in-camera session. I needed to have a conversation about it and I spoke to the president and the vice president. That was my first port of call to say, I don't know what's happening here, but something's not right and I think we need to look into it. And that was how I approached it. And it was difficult at the time because you don't necessarily feel confident about raising things that you're not sure about. But I felt I really needed to lean into my gut instinct at that point. And as it turned out, my gut instinct was correct. Can I ask in that example, how did the president respond? Look, the president came from a background where evidence and data was really important. (laughs) And so we had to collect some evidence and data, which we did. And eventually we uncovered a whole range of things that we didn't know about and that were there was an unethical practices and a whole range of things going on. But it did lead to us collecting the evidence and data that we needed to actually make an informed decision as a board. It was a really interesting time because I was quite new on that board at the time. And so I felt 
it was difficult for me to raise. It was shocking. So what gave you the strength? This is your first board role. You hadn't been on the board for very long. You've got a gut instinct about something, but there's not the data and the evidence there. You know the chair is data and evidence led. What gave you the strength to raise this? I think because I've always had such a strong sense of integrity and ethics, and that's been something that has always been with me and instilled in me by my parents. And so if there's something going on that's not right, it has to be winkled out. And I just felt that there was something that was not right about this. We talk about the standards you walk past to the standards you accept. We talk about that now and it's so beautifully articulated. And back then there wasn't an anchor around an articulation like that. It was just a feeling that I had to say something and that if I didn't say something, I was walking past something that wasn't right. Even though I don't think I could have articulated it like that at the time, I just knew something wasn't right. Thank you for sharing what you can about that because I think there's some really great lessons in there for people in the boardroom, whether it's for five minutes or five years or more. So we've covered a whole range of things here about your background, about your journey to the boardroom, and indeed some of the challenges about being a director. What are the main points you want people to take from the conversation that we've had today? Look, I think even if you don't feel confident, if something doesn't feel right, say something. Use your instinct in the boardroom. Watch the language, watch the behaviour, ask really good questions, listen carefully to what people are saying read between the lines, look at what's not being said. But ultimately, it is a collaborative, it needs to be a collaborative environment. We are a team of people stewarding an organisation and there needs to be that shared sense of purpose between the directors and the executive. And so I'm not saying go in with your hard hats on and your, your concrete boots and be tough, absolutely not. But really use your all your senses when you're in the boardroom. Is there a resource you would like to recommend for the Take On Board community? I'd like to recommend the No Limitations podcast. I think it's an absolutely brilliant resource because the host interviews board directors, CEOs, managing directors of Australia's largest organisations and most complex organisations. And I think it's just such an incredible insight into the world in which those people are operating. And I learn an awful lot from that podcast. Oh, interesting. Okay, we will make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. Can I check in terms of them interviewing people in all sorts of organisations? Is it across the board? Do they do private sector, corporate sector, not-for-profit sector, government and so on? Or is it predominantly the private sector? It's predominantly listed businesses. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Having said that, Personally, I think there's lessons across. We talked about not-for-profit stuff before and how complex it is and so on. That's the same in listed versus not-for-profit. So great. I'm going to look that one up as well. Thank you. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Take On Board podcast and for taking the time to reflect and share some of those lessons that you've learned on your journey to the boardroom to help others on their journey to the boardroom. So yeah, thank you so much for being here and sharing with us today. Thanks so much, Helia. It's been lovely to talk to you. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. 
Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women and gender diverse people together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd also really love it if you could do some of the other, well, podcast things. Share the podcast with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.